we interrupt our regular evening schedule to bring you the following special program. Garibaldi, you're early. I picked up something on the interweb. Well, greetings, Treks and Sci-Fi fans. This is your old pal Dave, or Dave Kill on the forums. I'd like to thank Rico for letting me sit in for him today. And while he's out, I thought we would take a little journey ourselves this week, across the quadrant to one of Trek's closest neighbors, Babylon 5. Now, like good neighbors, B5 and Trek have shared plenty together, such as writers and directors, and on occasion even actors too. We've seen appearances by Majel Barrett, Walter Koenig, Jeffrey Coombs, and my favorite Dwight Schultz, to name a few. Babylon 5's five-year story arc has been reviewed once before by Rico back in show 172, so this will be more of a look at the Earth Alliance and the early founding of the station. I got this idea while watching the episode titled In the Long Dark, a story about the discovery of an obsolete sleeper ship that contained not a crew of renegade superhumans, but one very frightened young woman. And using those audio clips of the station's Dr. Franklin interviewing her and discussing the events of the past 100 years from his point of view should be a good way to tell this story. So buckle up and prepare yourself for a special look at the future and history that is. Babylon 5. Excuse me, I'm just going to sink in. Don't Hello, hello. We're glad you made it. Welcome to the future. Was that simulated? Who knows? The year is 2257. It's about the time of your great-great-great-grandchildren, and the Earth has changed. United now under a single government, the Earth Alliance, mankind has turned his eyes to the stars. Our technical progress has blossomed once more with a greatly improved means of travel. As the horse and buggy were to the jet age, Today's deep space outposts and interplanetary transits across the vast distances was all but unknown a short 100 years ago. In those days, space exploration was still expensive, impractical, and limited to the confines of our own solar system. Only the large corporations with their deep-range sleeper ships could preserve a crew in hibernation until arriving years later at their final destination. Not always reliable, a few of these automated craft have become lost due to a missed thruster burn, a lost data link, or other failure. Maintenance, hold bot 12 in position for a longitudinal scan. Roger control, we're trying for a visual ID now. Those look like letters. That's hmm. English. It should say USS. Earth? I've never seen this design before. Hmm, and check your history. 
Ships like this were used in early deep-range exploration, back before we got jump gate technology from the Centauri. Well, that was over 100 years ago. What's it doing way out here? I guess I'm over here. Cryogenic freezer. I've seen him at the Air and Space Museum. Well, let's see if anybody's home. Oh, this one's dead. I've got life signs in this one right here. Let's follow the journey of one such crew member, rescued from her wayward ship and awakened from a long slumber, to find that she has traveled quite far in both time and space. Let's listen in. If you don't mind answering a few questions, what were you doing on that ship? Will, my husband and I, are part of a commercial research group. They needed volunteers for a long-term deep space mission and I jumped to the mm -hmm. chance. We were assigned to the Copernicus. She was programmed to home in on any signal we might come across and wake us up. I never thought the signal could be of human origin. How long were we in stasis? I think we should take this a day at a time. That doesn't sound very good. How long? Well, I don't have the exact number, but over... 100 years. In this new future, contact with civilizations have been made not once, but dozens of times. Treaties have been signed, technologies exchanged, and ambassadors dispatched. Never seen an alien before, have you? There are indications that there are other life forms, but I never imagine anything like that. I've missed so much. Not all of it's been good. A few years after your ship left Earth, we finally made contact with another species, the Centauri. We opened up trade relations and they gave us jump gate technology. But before that, we'd been pretty much limited to our own solar system. After that, we were out among the stars. First leasing time on alien jump gates and then building our own. So the cryogenic suspension, the goodbyes, it was all for nothing. If we just waited a few more years. Well, you couldn't have known. What you did, it, it took vision, it took courage. Our first contact and mentors were the Centauri. Friendly enough, but more Ferengi than Vulcan. Lando, my brain will be five days dead before I ever trust a Centauri. The first time we met you people, mm -hmm. the first time we met any other civilization, you told us you practically ran the entire galaxy. What was it you said? A huge empire. Come on, public relations! Only that hasn't been true for almost a hundred years. Then you give us this line about how Earth is some lost Centauri tribe, making us distant relatives, until we finally got our hands on some Centauri DNA and find out we're not related at all. Appearances aside, we're two completely different species. A clerical error. A clerical error. Yes, we thought your world was beta 9, it was actually beta 12. Okay, we made the mistake. I'm... What else have I missed? Huh, the usual. The good times and the bad times, and the revelations, the revolutions. Outbreaks of hysteria, the parade of scandals, promises, constitutions, and the occasional war. The last big ones were against the Dilgar, which we won. My father flew for Earth Force during the Dilgar invasion. He was there when they retook Ballas. He never forgot what he saw. And against the Minbari, which 
Well, that's a long story. Following our victory against the Dilgar, we've taken advantage of the goodwill of other worlds to expand our sphere of influence. We've made trade deals and mutual defense treaties with the League of Non-Aligned Worlds. Most of the races have been very receptive to our advances. Others downright hostile. And a few are still a mystery to us. What do you know about a race called Minbari? We've had some dealings with them in the past, but nothing in recent years. Why? We're going to send an expedition to their border to see if they pose a threat to our program to expand our sphere of influence. We understand that fully a third of their population is dedicated to warfare. <laughs> they have a warrior caste. Not exactly the same thing, hmm? Semantics. We need to know all we can about them. Then send one ship. One ship only. Anything more could be perceived as a threat. And if that were to happen, well, I assure you, they would never return home. My people can handle themselves. We took care of the Dilgar. We can take care of them in Bari. Ah, arrogance and stupidity all in the same package. How efficient of you. Just a minute. Listen to me. The Mimbari are one of the oldest space-faring races. Even at the height of the Centauri Republic, when we were expanding in all directions, we never opposed the Mimbari. If you do not bother them, they will not bother you. And perhaps, but that decision's already been made. And we still haven't outgrown violence? No. It's gonna take a lot more than a hundred years to evolve a better human. We were feeling pretty good about ourselves until next we came across the Minbari. Sir, we're picking up a silhouette at the edge of scanner range. I thought this area was supposed to be well outside the Minbari transfer points. Aye, sir, it is. There's no reason they should be here. Unless they're looking for us. Should we jump back into hyperspace? Negative. Just jumped in. I don't want to put any more strain on the engines than we have to. Besides, if it is them, I want to see if we can get a good look at them. Captain, our orders were to avoid any first contact situation unless authorized to do so. I'm well aware of our orders, Commander. Now take us in at a bleak angle. Keep the scanners on at a maximum. If they do this right, they're not even going to know we're here. Aye, right, sir. Sir, alien ships are changing course. Moving in our direction. I'm picking up scanners. Extremely powerful. I've never seen anything like them, Captain. They've seen us. All right, let's get out of here. Prepare to jump. Jump engines not responding. What? Alien scanner rays interfering with our electrical systems. Tremendous EMP output. Trying to reroute. They drew us in deliberately. Wanted to get us in range of their scanners so they could shut us down. Sir, you said you want to get as much information on the enemy ships as possible. What if they want to capture our ships for the exact same reason? Then we want to make sure that does not happen, Commander. Go to Red Alert. Try to open up a channel. Tell them we mean no harm. Sir, alien ships have opened gun ports. Are they prepared to fire? I don't know. I can't tell. Come on, talk to me. Are they locked on us? Scanners are too powerful. I couldn't tell even if they were. They have opened all gun ports. Enemy presumed to be hostile. Weapons hot. All batteries, all forward guns. Fire at will, I repeat. Fire! Fire!
went mad. They swore revenge and began a holy war that could only end in the complete extermination of mankind. Where the Minbari strike, nothing is left alive. Even ships no longer capable of fighting are targeted and destroyed. So surrender on any scale is not an option. In a final act of desperation, Earth Force turned to the Centauri for help, but to no avail. We're not asking the Centauri government to intervene militarily. We know that won't happen. We're talking tactical and strategic support. Just and weapons. You and the Mimbari are two of the older races. Your technology is far above our own. With access to some of your weapons, we'd at least stand a fighting chance. It is not our policy to supply advanced weapons to developing worlds. We'll pay any price. Yes. And then we will pay the price when the Mimbari come after us for helping you. No, I'm sorry, there's not enough money in your entire planet to justify that risk. Londo, if you just listen... To what? The voice of a race that is about to become extinct? No, I'm sorry. I have always been very fond of humans. But we cannot risk angering the Mimbari. There is nothing I can do. I'm sorry. As the last of Earth's defenses were falling, some in the Minbari leadership questioned the honor of driving man to extinction. Good evening, Delay. The latest reports from the front. Three more of the humans' deep-range colonies have fallen. Leave it on the table. I should think you would be more pleased by the progress of the war. What pleasure can be found in beating an enemy that never had the slightest chance of defeating us? Is that sympathy I hear in your voice, Delay? They did this for two years. They never ran out of courage. But in the end, they ran out of time. We should bring one of them aboard for questioning. If our next step is the final assault on their world, we must know their defenses. Very well, Delenn. Choose. But quickly, we are fast running out of candidates. It's a trap! We've, we were using the triluminary to probe the human. You should come and see. I get the others. You should, you should all come and see. They had nearly destroyed us by easily defeating our warships and wiping out our military outposts. Until at the final battle to erase all mankind, the Minbari suddenly surrendered. For the next 10 years, one question would obsess a hundred worlds. Why did the Minbari surrender at the Battle of the Line on the very eve of victory? The answer to that question would change the galaxy forever. Shortly after the war ended, the Earth President made a decision. Today the Senate has approved funding to begin construction on the Babylon Station, located in neutral space between several major governments. Together we stood on the eve of destruction as a result of a terrible, terrible mistake. A mistake which none of us can afford to make again. The Babylon Station will provide a place for us to work out our problems peacefully.
It is, we believe, our last best hope for peace. But like all good things, it took them a while to work it all. Babylon 5 referring to the fact that this is a five-year story, uh, five seasons, and of course the name of the station being the fifth one to come along, the first four either uh, dis disappearing uh, oddly or um, being destroyed by sabotage. And uh, it was a cheap version. Babylon 4 was a really cool version, as you who've uh, watched the show so far have determined already. Uh, but B5 was what they had left over to make a station with. So after four attempts in ten years to build the Babylon station, the fifth was finally successful with the help of the Minbari. To a fully operational Babylon 5. To the future. Open all communications channels. This is Lieutenant Commander Laurel Takashima. Our docking base stand ready to receive you. Babylon 5 is open for business. It was the dawn of the third age of mankind, ten years after the Earth-Minbari War. The Babylon Project was a dream given form, its goal to prevent another war by creating a place where humans and aliens could work out their differences peacefully. It's a port of call, home away from home for diplomats, hustlers, entrepreneurs, and wanderers. Humans and aliens wrapped in 2,500,000 tons of spinning metal, all alone in the night. Babylon 5 is the fifth and final space station constructed by Earth Alliance's Babylon Project. The station is located in neutral territory in the Epsilon Eridani star system and became operational in the year 2257. A self-sufficient city floating in space, the station employs 6,500 personnel and 1,500 guild dock workers. Babylon 5 stretches 5 miles in length and weighs in excess of 2.5 million metric tons. The station layout is divided into color-coded sectors, with each section serving a different purpose. With the station now complete and operational, it serves as home and a place of commerce, a military outpost, and an embassy. To achieve these goals, Dock workers. I've been working space docks for 40 years. And this equipment we got won't last two months, let alone two years. News reporters. Commander, do you have a comment on this? Lawyers. Captain, this is... Uh... The one friend you have in this room. Guinevere Corey, Captain. I'm your lawyer. Political ties to EarthGov. It's all in the budget report, Commander. I know what's in the report, Senator, but we need those increases in station operations. Promises were made. Political realities sometimes take precedence over good intentions. And two fighter wings. While the President is scheduled all to right. present a new fighter wing to the station, many believe his real reason for the visit... As well as alien diplomats. Ambassador Delenn. Ali Narun. I welcome you on behalf of all Minbari on this station. Doctor! Ambassador! This must be our visitor from the past. Mariah Cirrus, this is Ambassador Jakar of the NAR. Ambassador. 
Lando. No, what? Not now, please. I'm busy. Go away. I'll take two and roll for the battle. You all please join me in welcoming to Babylon 5 our final representative, Ambassador Kosh of the Vorlan Empire. With full diplomatic immunity, the ambassadors can be mysterious. We take no interest in the affairs of others. And with a little prodding, may reveal a hidden agenda. He must never know what happened. If he should find out, he must be killed. Do you understand, Delenn? Yes. And if you're very persistent, even a personal grievance from Ambassador Jakar. Our two worlds, our two species are more alike than you might think. I would remind you that we were one of the few who would supply you with the weapons you needed in your war with the Minbari. We supported you. You owe us. And Ambassador Malari. What do you want? To be left alone. Is that it? Is that really all, Ambassador? All right. Fine. You really want to know what I want? You really want to know the truth? I want my people to reclaim their rightful place in the galaxy. I want to see the Centauri stretch forth their hand again and command the stars. I want a rebirth of glory, a renaissance of power. I want to stop running through my life like a man late for an appointment, afraid to, to look back or to look forward. I want us to be what we used to be. I want... I want it all back the way that it was. Does that answer your question? Yes. Yes, it does. Cranky ambassadors are not the only thing to threaten peace on the station. Babylon 5 is also an extension of EarthGov, and therefore its fate often lies in the hands of the politicians. Over time, three additional and important government resources have been added for public safety and security. They are the Office of Information, the Ministry of Peace, or MINIPAC for short, and, as latent telepathic abilities in some of our population have surfaced, this i because protecting your privacy is job one. Commander, some VIPs here to see you, sir. Send them in. No, it's a fine time. I... Get out of my head. You want to talk to me? Talk to me. My apologies, Commander. It saves considerable time. I don't care. 
I don't like people rummaging around in my head. I thought the Psy Corps had rules about this sort of thing. There are rules and there are rules, Commander. When telepaths go rogue, someone has to take them down. Only Psychops are qualified to do that. Since we bear a greater responsibility, we're afforded greater latitude. In the interests of efficiency. Yes, I'm sure you are, Mr. Bester. You know, I've often wondered what it's like to be a telepath. It's like staying in a hotel room where you can just hear the people talking next door. You can try and shut it out, but it's always there. The key is not to eavesdrop unless you're invited. So is it difficult to block out other people's thoughts? Depends on the thoughts. Destination. Blue 14. Casual thoughts are very easy to block. But strong emotions have a way of slipping through sometimes, whether you want them to or not. I won't be scanning you deeply, but only verifying your responses to specific questions. It won't hurt unless you try to resist it. Please relax, answer truthfully, and try to avoid strong emotion. I don't like it any better than you do. Enough people have played with my brain already this year. We will return after this brief, important message from our sponsor. Why aren't you outside playing with the other kids? They hate me. Now, John. It's true. I'm just... I'm different, Mom. I can feel what they think about me. And they know I can. I called one of them a liar because I knew he wasn't telling the truth somehow. And he just kept hitting me until I said I was the liar. I just don't know what to do anymore. Don't worry, Johnny. We'll take care of it from here. Mom, look, a psychop. That's right, Johnny. You know, there are a lot of other kids who feel just the same way you do. They're confused and afraid, but they don't have to be. The problem isn't that other kids don't like you. It's that they don't understand you. But we do. You're special. You're a latent telepath about to come into full bloom. My Johnny, a telepath? Probably. But to be sure, take him down to the PsyCor testing center first thing tomorrow. How do I find one? We're everywhere, for your convenience. We have offices and schools and children's hospitals. We even have mobile testing centers that travel the country. And if he qualifies, we'll give him an education, a job, a purpose. And we'll pay all his bills for life. Oh, <sighs> Two weeks later. Oh, John, I can't believe it. You've come so far. Just look at you. We're all so proud. And I'm proud to be part of the Psycorps. So remember, if you know someone who might be a telepath, or think you might be one yourself, help them get the help they need. Call the Corps. Call Government Information for more on a Psycorps Center near you. This message has been brought to you by the Ministry for Public Information and your local Psycorps Recruitment Office. Welcome back. Now that we've seen the beginnings of the series, set the stage with players and scenery, what about the score? Unseen but never overlooked, music is a heartbeat that brings our station to life. Christopher Frankie we knew from Tangerine Dream. And the question became whether or not Christopher could do the kind of music that particularly Joe wanted, which was big and full. I wanted Babylon 5 to have a sense of, of scope and of scale. 
and his music is emblematic of that. It is unabashedly dramatic, unabashedly operatic, and it elevates the scenes that it appears in. The primary function of um, music scores and movies is to enhance the emotional level of acting. They should rather feel the music than hear the music. The acoustic tracks I will email to my scoring stage in Berlin. And he directed the Berlin Symphony Orchestra from his studio in Hollywood Hills. They come into the studio, pick up their scores, sit down at their chairs, turn on the TV set, and there's Chris. I never conducted really the full orchestra at once. I always conducted like maximum 24 people, which is quite possible to do it that way. Chris not only wrote the music, but orchestrated it directed it and mixed it all together and did whatever else that he needed to do to add to what the Berlin Symphony Orchestra did. It may be the first time that a television series has had a full score for every single episode. I've seen shows where music has been recycled and some show it might even work. In Babylon 5 it definitely does not work. There was very little in the way of, of canned stuff ever used in the course of the show. In every Babylon 5 uh, episode on average we have 50% music. So the average is about 25 minutes of original music per show. Christopher is an interesting person to work with in that he is completely flat affect. You say to him, Chris, I need this huge, monstrous score over here, just big, 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 yes, I will do this, you know. And walk away and come back with this incredible composition. Maybe it's the German and Christopher, but if he tells you he's going to deliver on a certain date, he will deliver it on a certain date. I love the deadlines. Without deadlines, I would be lost. When something really melts together on picture and sound becomes like one unity, then I know I'm done. Chris is one of these indomitably cheerful, nothing is a problem, Kind of people. This is another indication of the, the, the kind of guy that Christopher is. He is quite remarkable. Chris, like many artists, does what he enjoys doing. And he will go to the wall if he enjoys it a lot. The sheer volume of soundtracks that came out afterward is some testament to the fact that he really did go to the wall for the show. With the pilot premiering 18 years ago in February of 93, the regular series started in January of 94, ran for five seasons, and has been syndicated only briefly since. However, the show did spawn six TV movies and a spin-off series, Crusade. The series has also done well on DVD season collections and is currently available on iTunes due to its strong fan base. Well, Babylon 5, the characters are all have more than one dimension. They, they lose things, they gain things, they, they have this emotional range you don't get in any other TV show. It's simply the best show that I know. Babylon 5 endures. One of the reasons that Babylon 5 lasted five years was because of the fans. They actually stuck with us and they, in the early days and followed us around from syndication channel to time change to, you know, oh my goodness. It was a nightmare, but they hung in there with us. I, I love the Babylon 5 fans because they were so concerned with narrative and they really got involved with the characters. Science fiction fans tend to be uh, very bright, very cerebral. They come from every strata of society. What fandom provides is a sense of community. 
And as Babylon 5 brought together communities of aliens, the show brought together communities of different people in different places. Without fans, you, what do you have? Nothing. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's fans that make the show. I like the fact that it, the entire series is one story. It has a definite beginning, middle, and end. And each um, particular season seems like a, a chapter in the book. Yeah, like a really good book, actually. I go to the conventions to give back to the fans. I remember being a fan, sitting in the audience, looking up at someone, thinking, I wish I could be there, I wish that could be me. And the distance between that chair and this podium maybe 50 feet in reality, but it's, it's the distance of your passions and your belief. In my fondest memories of uh, Babylon 5 fans are people who I met at sci-fi conventions. And it's just nice to look in the eyes of uh, your, the people who love your show and hear what they have to say about it. I remember after I shot the pilot, um, I did my first science fiction convention. I couldn't believe that there were 10,000 people cheering and connecting with that and uh, somebody in the audience said uh, welcome to the family and I'll never forget that it, 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 it really was a family that I entered. The Babylon 5 fans understand that this five-year story was a kind of unique experience and it may not be replicated again and it's, or it's going to be difficult to find someone who can put it up again and I think they treasure it. You know you're doing something right when uh, the guys that are actually in space and wearing the suits are coming to visit you playing like you're in space. <laughs> Numerous astronauts said, I grew up watching these shows and that planted that dream in me to want to go to outer space. You know, I may laugh and say, hey, you know, our space station is a set made of plywood and we don't really go into outer space. But they said, no, 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 you don't understand. It's the ideas. The ideas is what you create, the dream. You give us the dream, and we try to see if it's going to work, and we try to make it real. I think that in, in a time and in a culture where we are constantly being divided by our interests, to have something that brings you together is salutary and necessary. So that is probably my finest achievement with Babylon 5, is to create that community, which goes on to this day. We'll be back with some concluding thoughts right after this message. Sponsored by Interplanetary Expeditions, exploring the past to create a better future. And US Plus, we own the idea of America. Welcome back. I hope you've enjoyed this look at the Babylon 5 verse and we'll return to find out more. Now back to our rescued hibernaut. Let's see how she's making out and what she will do next. So, what about you? What about me? Well, you're going to need a place to stay, and this is as good a place as any. I can help. I thought about it, but I, I can't. Not yet, anyway. I have a hundred years to catch up on. I need to see Earth. Very well. Mourn for a while. I just need time. If I can, I'll come back, if you're still interested. Dang, that always happens.
Well, the fireworks are over. Only the smoke remains, clouding my great crystal balls. <sighs> Is there uh, anything you didn't understand about your future, Mr... Um, um. Uh, oh, uh, Bar Barney, Barney, Mr. Barney. Yes. Barney, well, now, now I won't say that I um, understand everything, but it was uh, certainly uh, different, and, oh, uh, yes, well, well worth a dollar. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much. Make sure that you remember it. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, how could I uh, for forget that, <laughs> you know? Doctor. Doctor, yes, doctor. Yes. Well... <laughs>